Pray with me. You are a good, good father. You love us and you care for us and you know all of the things in our lives. You're also holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. The whole earth, the whole universe is full of your glory. What a mystery that you are so otherly, so beyond, and so close and so personal. So Lord, open our hearts, open our, open our minds, open our, our souls to hear from your spirit today as we look into your word, as we try to get a bigger view of an infinite God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, take a seat. <clears throat> in 2001, missionaries Jim and Veronica Bowers were flying over the jungles of Peru with their two children, seven-month-old Charity and six-year-old Corey. The Peruvian Air Force uh, mistook the missionary plane for a drug plane and opened fire on the plane. One bullet passed by Jim's head and, and made a hole in the windshield, just, just missing the pilot. The pilot's legs were shot, but he was still able to land the plane on a river uh, where it sank just after they all got out. Another bullet passed through Veronica's back and stopped inside Charity's little body, killing them both. At the memorial service for his wife and his daughter, Jim made these comments. Most of all, I want to thank my God. He's a sovereign God. I'm finding that out more now. Could this really be God's plan for Veronica and Charity? Could this really be God's plan for Corey and for me and for our family now? He went on, Veronica and Charity were instantly killed by the same bullet. Would you say that's a stray bullet? And it didn't reach Kevin, the pilot, who was right in front of Charity. The bullet stayed in Charity. That, his words, that was a sovereign bullet. Jim spoke of his forgiveness to those who shot at the plane. How, how could I not forgive them when God has forgiven me so much? Those people who did that simply were used by God. Whether you want to believe it or not, I believe it. They were used by him, by God, to accomplish his purpose in this. Maybe similar to the Roman soldiers whom God used to put Christ on the cross. A sovereign bullet directed by a sovereign God that killed a baby. Does that mess with your sense of who God is? Does a, does a good, good father control those kinds of things? Can we blame God for that? Or did God allow that? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God. Clearly, Jim Bowers understood God's sovereignty in such a way that it was an incredible comfort to him, even as he grieved the loss of his wife and his daughter. But not everyone sees it that way. God's sovereignty is one of those doctrines that can create a lot of tension in our minds and our hearts. 
I joked with several people, uh, yeah, I solved the mystery of God's sovereignty, so come this morning and hear about it. Uh, that was a joke. We will never solve it. This doctrine can cause frustration. I have had some really intense, heated discussions. I would, I would say they devolved into arguments and fights about this doctrine. Was God really in control of that bullet that killed Veronica and Charity? Or was it a random act of an overeager soldier? Or something else? This is not a simple doctrine. And we're not going to solve all the issues this morning. We aren't even going to raise all the questions this morning. Um, this would be awesome to have a discussion and an interaction format, but you have to sit there and just listen to me spout truth and then believe it. And so it's probably better that you're not asking your questions because I wouldn't know the answers. Um, but I believe that if we correctly understand the sovereignty of God, it can be a tremendous comfort in all of life, all of life, but especially when, when suffering or tragedy happens. Now, the sovereignty of God is a huge theme in Isaiah. That's why we're, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're there. Uh, we're going to plunge in and try to understand about this huge, holy, awesome, majestic God. We're continuing our summer series uh, in Isaiah. Um, Todd spent four weeks in the first two chapters where Isaiah calls Israel out for forsaking the one true God. Now we're in the midst of another four-week mini-series within the series of Isaiah called the Holy One of Israel, Isaiah's favorite name for God. We're seeking to get a bigger view of God in these four weeks. I don't care how big you think God is, he's bigger. And so we always need to be pushing our view of God to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Christian spent two weeks in chapter 6 of Isaiah uh, where Isaiah is in the very presence of a holy, holy, holy God, high and lifted up, soaring into the very stratosphere of God's holiness. Today we're going back into the stratosphere and try to understand what it means that this holy one of Israel is sovereign. Next week we'll look at how his sovereignty specifically applies to salvation. Just another gigantic aspect of his sovereignty. But today, the way I want to structure this is ask and answer three questions about the sovereignty of the Holy One of Israel. First of all, what does it mean that God is sovereign? What's a definition of sovereignty? What, 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 let's, let's explain that word. Secondly, what's the extent of God's sovereignty? What does Scripture teach us about how far God's sovereignty extends? And then we'll ask one of the hardest questions, thirdly, is God sovereign even over tragedy and hardship? Like the sovereign bullet that killed Veronica and Charity, like the fires and the floods and the tornadoes that destroy homes, like the diseases that take the lives of our loved ones. And in that discussion, we will see how his sovereignty can be a comfort in the midst of these tragedies and hardships and difficulties in life. So the first question what does it mean that God is sovereign? What does it mean? Turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Uh, that will be our kind of our jumping off point. Isaiah 46. 
He's got a great summary of what it means that God is sovereign. 46, starting at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Powerful statement of God saying, I am God. There is no other God. I will do what I want to do. I will do what I plan. I have purposed. I'll, I'll use birds. I'll use men. I'll call them from far places. I'll do what I'm going to do. I have purposed and I will do it. So based on these verses, John Piper came up with this definition of God's sovereignty. God has the rightful authority, the freedom, the wisdom, and the power to bring about everything he intends Whoops, I missed my, lost my place. To bring about everything that he intends to happen. And therefore, everything he intends to come about does come about. Which means God plans and governs all things. So when we say that God is sovereign, we are saying that he has absolute and total power and control over all things. Things in the universe, things on earth, things in your life, things in my life. There is nothing outside of his control. Everything he wants to do, he will do. No one can stop him. Nothing happens apart from his sovereign control. There are no random acts. There are no accidents. Everything is by his good plan and his good purpose, and it's for, and for followers of Jesus, he exercises his sovereignty for our good and for his glory. There is the comfort. Remember that. Everything that he does, as he exercises his sovereign control over the universe, it's for our good. It doesn't always feel like it. But Jim Bowers would tell you that losing his wife and his daughter in a tragic accident redounded to good for him as we as God defines good remember that remember that aspect of his sovereignty the good is it's good for our growth in Christ likeness and godly character the good is it doesn't mean these things don't hurt and that there isn't pain and that there isn't suffering and that there isn't grief and that there isn't, aren't questions and confusion like God how could you do this I don't get it I don't understand it but I trust you The good that comes to us comes as long as we're not embittered by them. And for many people, these tragic things get them mad at God, get them angry, get them bitter. And, and Romans 8.28 says, For those that love God, all things work together for good. Well, even the embittering of their hearts can work together for good as they, as they, as they wallow in their sin and God can bring them back to himself. Now, now, of course, this raises questions. Do I really make decisions or am I just a puppet? Is, is everything already determined by God and his sovereignty so it really doesn't matter what I do? These questions that you've had about this issue? I mean, why live? Why make a decision? Why, have, why do anything? Because God in his sovereign decree has already determined it, so let's just go on with life. Was I forced to come to church this morning by God's sovereignty? 
Or did I actually have a choice in coming or not? Anybody? No, I shouldn't ask. I was going to say, anybody feel forced to come to church? But Maybe your spouse forced you to come to church, and you don't really want to acknowledge that publicly. So, um, as near as I can tell, I chose to agree to preach this week. Now, the way this all worked is earlier in the spring, we sat down, we looked at our calendars, who's going to be gone, who's on vacation, when. Okay, these two weeks, nothing about topics, just schedule. Okay, Chris, okay, you got these two weeks. Okay, Christian, you got these. That'll work, Todd, I'm gone here, so let's do this. Okay, all right, now that we know who's when, let's look at the topics. Oh, I get sovereignty of God. (laughs) I chose to agree to today this topic. I chose to get out of bed this morning. It was a challenge, but I, I made the choice to do it. I chose, well, actually, Don chose this shirt for me this morning. We kind of worked together on it. <clears throat> but I also believe that before the foundation of the earth, back somewhere in eternity past, God determined that I would stand here this morning in Simi Valley at Cornerstone Church wearing this shirt and preach on his sovereignty. I believe that you are all here by God's sovereign will. I believe that you are sitting by the person you are sitting by because of his sovereign will. I believe that if you leave here this morning and you're killed in a car accident, it's by his sovereign will. I also believe you chose to come to the 9 o'clock instead of the 11 o'clock. I also believe that you chose to sit by the person you're sitting by, maybe for wrong reasons. Maybe you chose not to sit by somebody for really bad reasons. I don't believe there's any such thing as an accident theologically. There are only sovereign crashes and sovereign bullets and sovereign diseases. I can't explain it. Never will. I get blisters on my brain thinking about it. I've wrestled with this tension my whole life and I'm no closer to explaining it than I ever have been. And I know I never will on this side of glory. But I believe it. I accept it. I live by it, or at least I try to live by it. And I take great comfort in the fact that he is in control and not me. Because I would really mess it up. I take great comfort that everything in my life is designed by God to bring about his best work in my life for his glory and for my good. The alternative is to say that God had no idea what I was going to do. He was just waiting for me to choose. Or he looked down through history and saw what I was going to do, and then he decided to bring everyone's choices together to accomplish his purpose. Ah, no, no. Now, this doesn't negate responsibility for stupid choices that we make either. I've known people that have such a distorted view of the sovereignty of God. It's like, oh, well, okay, that happened. Not my fault. I mean, God, God determined that ahead of time, so you know, I can't take any responsibility for that. Or like the guy who fell down the stairs and he got to the bottom, he goes, well, I'm glad that's over. <sighs> that's a distorted view of this truth. I think... I think one of the reasons this doctrine creates tension and that that some people don't like the absolute sovereignty of God is because we so bad want to give humanity the prior place. 
You see, it, when you're talking about the, the free will of man or the choice of man, and you're talking about the sovereignty of God, somebody has to come out on top. Somebody has to start the process. And I choose to give God the priority in that. As I've wrestled with this over the years, it seemed like no matter how I processed it, no matter how I thought about it, I was going to err. I don't, I don't think we'll ever get it perfectly right um, beside a heaven. And so I decided that if I'm going to make a mistake in how I see this, I want to err on the side of God being bigger and me being smaller. Like John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. Believing in, resting on his sovereignty requires faith. It requires humility. It requires a willingness to say, I am not in control, but God is in control. And I accept that. Well, that was the first question with a very simple answer. God's sovereignty means that God plans and governs all things. <laughs> simple to say, not simple to comprehend. Well, the second question, uh, what is the extent of God's sovereignty? Um, let's see some of those all things that Scripture talks about in this definition. God plans and governs all things. What are some of those all things? And this is just a small sampling, but God is sovereign over nature. Scripture teaches us that. He's sovereign over the big, huge, cosmic universe, especially seen in this Isaiah text about stars. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So God created the stars. He's named each star. I don't know. I would have run out of names a long time ago before he got to all these, but he names them. He knows exactly when each star burns out. None are missing from his sovereign control. So how many stars are there? Uh, one source says that there are a billion, trillion visible stars, which is that number on the board right there, or on the screen, one with 21 zeros. Another source says it's one with 24 zeros after it. Big difference. Um, another, these, are, these are university sources, not theologians. Another, another scientist, and I thought this was fascinating, he says there's probably an infinite number of stars. Can we even comprehend that? That there are an infinite number of stars and God knows them all by name? <sighs> Blisters on the brain. And not one is missing. His sovereignty and his power extends to the farthest reaches of the universe and beyond. Now think about this. If he knows an infinite number of stars' names and he keeps track of them, he knows when one burns out and he knows whenever, I don't know what kind of problems stars have, but when they have their problems, he knows about those problems. I don't know if they're insecure, like, you know, that one's brighter than I am. Uh, you know, that's not fair. I, I don't know what stars do out there. But God knows all about that. Don't you think he's big enough and powerful enough and sovereign enough to take care of all those things in your life and mine? 
even if you don't like the way he takes care of them. Don't raise your hands, but anybody ever questioned why God did what he did? Okay, raise your hands. Like, like, did you have to do it that way? I'm sure, I'm sure Jim Bauer has asked at times, God, did you have to take my wife and my daughter? Did you, did you have to do that? And of course he came to, came to a place where he said, apparently you did. I don't understand it, I don't get it, but I trust you. So God knows. He, if he knows the names of all the stars, then he knows your issues and my issues because he's also sovereign over the smallest, tiniest, seemingly insignificant things. Look at Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. God not only knows the names and the status of the infinite number of stars, he knows the status of the Millions, thousands of birds and sparrows on earth. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. God is sovereign over the natural world. He's, he's in charge of it all. Jonah's another great example. Read that little short book and see all the places where God appointed a fish. God appointed a storm. God told the fish what to do and when to do it. He told the fish it's time to throw up. He appointed a vine. He appointed a worm to eat the vine. He appointed a hot, scorching wind to come and dry out the vine. God controls nature. Which tells me he knows about the floods and the fires and the winds. He knows it's going to be in the mid-90s today and, and, and Santa Ana winds are going to blow. I don't like that. But it's not my call. God is also sovereign over government and politics. We see this in Scripture. There's no dictator, no prime minister, no president, no mayor, no, no official anywhere who will ever get into or out of office apart from God's sovereign control. Every civic authority, every structure, every war, every battle, every nation, every situation is controlled by him. Look at these verses, Isaiah 40, 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. It's like God has this bucket up there and all the nations are in. He goes, I'm going to pull you out. I don't like you either, so you're done. I'm going to put you in, new nation. God, God orders them. Daniel 2, 20, well, he, uh, verse 23, he brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Daniel 2, 21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. I don't care if Nero's your dictator in ancient Rome or if you live in a modern democracy or any other kind of governmental system from whatever country or nation you're from. God is sovereign over political leaders. He sets them up as he chooses. He, he tears them down when he wants isn't it a comfort to know he's in charge of governments and politics and nations? Is that a comfort? Okay, would you have done it differently? If you were in charge of all that, would you have done it differently? Would you have appointed a Hitler? Or an Idi Amin? 
Probably not. We don't get it. We don't understand it. But God is sovereign over all these things. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't vote. doesn't mean we shouldn't do our civic duty. doesn't mean we should write letters to our senators and all that kind of stuff. But God's sovereign over those things. But how is God sovereign over a bullet that kills a baby? Over a fire that destroys your home? Over cancer that robs a young wife and mother of life? Are those things in God's sovereign plan, under his sovereign control? I think that's where part of our frustration comes in. We're okay with God knowing all the stars by name. Like, okay, that's cool. Glad glad you have that down, God. But are you really in control over the cancer that's robbing my spouse of life? Are you really in control of that bullet that killed a baby? Are you really in control of these wildfires that destroyed thousands of homes and and lives? Are you really sovereignly in control of that relationship that is broken and all the pain that comes with it? Well, let's look at this third question and see if we can gain some understanding on that. Third question, is God sovereign even over tragedy and hardship? Or maybe some other ways we can say that is how can God be good and still be sovereign over tragedy and hardship and evil? Does this make God the creator of evil? Any, anyone want to venture a guess at that one? Well, it's complicated. Does God just use evil but not really control evil? Is that better? No takers. How in the world can Jim Bowers say that the bullet that killed his wife and baby was a sovereign bullet? It seems so cold. It seems so wrong to say that he controls or he causes tragedy and hardship. These are real questions that that meet us right where we live. I want you to look at some verses. Look at these verses from the Old Testament. See, Deuteronomy 32, see now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. Isaiah 45, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Amos 3.6, is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? I was laying in bed this morning deciding if I was going to get out of bed or not. And it suddenly hit me, I haven't looked up the words for, for calamity and disaster. And maybe it just means, you know, an accident or something mild. And I thought, I, got, I need to check what those words are. And I did, and both calamity in Isaiah 45 and disaster in Amos 3 are from the same Hebrew word, uh, same Hebrew root, get it out, that means evil or badness, bad stuff. Wow. Okay, that takes me down another notch in this. God makes well-being and creates we could translate 
evil. Amos, does, does evil come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Wow. Yes, God is sovereign over disasters. So are we saying that God, are you comfortable saying God caused the campfire? Are you comfortable saying God caused the Woolsey fire? Are you comfortable saying God caused this house to burn, but not that one to burn? Are we saying that? Oh, you're with me. Yeah. I think so. I don't know how all this works. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand how it comes together. None of us do. None of us will, but I think we need to believe it. And, 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 and remember this. We're trying to understand this completely otherly, majestic, holy, sovereign God using English verbs. Think about how foolhardy that is. Because we'll say, well, God didn't cause it, but he allowed it. And that makes us a little bit more comfortable. <sighs> cause, allow, permit, create. Uh, the verb in, in Amos 3 is do. The Lord did it. The, the, the verbs that we try to use to understand God are just not adequate. So let's not get too hung up on them. Let's not have a fight over cause versus permit. Because Scripture says he, he, he created evil. Next week we're preaching on salvation and God's sovereignty and salvation, which brings up some more of these kinds of issues. And... Uh, I've joked that I'll turn in my resignation after next week. Because <laughs> these aren't always real popular things to talk about. But consider this. All of God's attributes are holy perfections. I think Christian said that two weeks ago. All of God's attributes are holy perfections. His sovereignty is a holy perfection. Therefore, all exercise of his sovereignty is perfectly holy. We can rest on that. We can trust that. We can stake our lives on that. Now I want to look at a couple more examples from Scripture from a couple different angles. What about tragedy and suffering caused by other people? Consider the story of Joseph, son of Jacob in Genesis, hated by his brothers, planned to be killed, but sold into slavery instead, got a good slave job down in Egypt. He was seduced by Potiphar's wife. He maintained his integrity and purity, so he was falsely accused, and he spent the best years of his young adulthood in prison from roughly age 17 to age 30. And I'm sure he was sitting there going, what in the world? Come on, God. I'm a, I'm a follower of Yahweh. I believe in you. This isn't how my life is supposed to go. Of course, we know how the story goes, so, so we're like, oh, yeah, whatever. But think about him during those 13 years. Think about yourself in the midst of something that just takes way too long to get resolved. 
course, then Joseph was promoted to prime minister. His wisdom saved Egypt. God's wisdom through him saved Egypt from starvation. This was all part of God's sovereign plan to advance the good of his people Israel and to bless Joseph personally too. He was second in command. He was given a wife. He had kids. He had a great life. All the money and all the fame and all of everything he could ever have wanted. He lived the Egyptian dream. Like the American dream, I guess. When he got to the other side, he could look back and he saw that God had a good plan all along for Israel and all along for him. He just needed to trust. In Genesis 50, 20, he tells his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The very same actions, the very same things, you meant for evil, but God took that evil and made it for good. God, God intended that evil to happen so that good could come of it on this side. What about suffering that seemingly is caused solely by God, not, not because of man, not, not, not anything that other people did to us? Consider the man born blind in John 9. Uh, as, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, it wasn't, it wasn't this man that sinned or his parents. This, this blindness is not a result of somebody's sin. This man was born blind from birth so that I could come along here today and heal him, bless him, and glorify God. Think about that. This man suffered the indignities of blindness in the Middle East so that God could heal him and be glorified. I think that's instructive. Tragedy, suffering, loss, things we go through, regardless of the source, regardless of the cause, regardless of the factors, God is always doing something bigger, involving more people and more of his work and we're part of that and he cares about our little part of that which is big in his sight too and sometimes his our part in that big scheme involves pain and involves suffering it's not some existential random meaningless smack across our lives there's purpose there's reason there's intent and we know that he is right there with us walking with us comforting us we have a friend who, who suffered terrible abuse in her past. Horrific. Dawn asked her one time, where was God in all of that? And she answered, he had me right here in the palm of his hand. Doesn't mean he spared her from the suffering, but he was right there with her. She understood the, the truth of Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He causes me to go through pain. He causes disaster and calamity in my life. And then he comforts me in that pain for my good and my growth and his glory. That's a head scratcher too. 
he causes this suffering. And then he comforts me in the suffering. And of course we go, just don't cause it in the first place. It'll be a lot easier. But his sovereign plan is perfect. His perfections are holy. All right, let's try to bring this home. How is the sovereignty of God an encouragement to me, to you today? How is it a comfort? In my life right now, in your life right now, whatever you're going through, and we're all going through something somewhere, somehow, how is God's sovereignty a comfort? A couple thoughts. First of all, everything that happens to me in life is a product of God's love for me. Count on it. Bank on it. Somehow, some way, things do not happen randomly without a purpose. Even, even bad choices that we make, even stupid decisions, even horrible things that other people do to us, everything that happens to me in my life is a product of God's love for me and is his goodness to me. That was Jim Bauer's testimony about the sovereign bullet. Even within weeks of their deaths, uh, and we don't have time to go into it, he saw God doing some amazing things that would not have happened had his wife and daughter not been killed. Steve Saint, son of Nate Saint, killed by the, the uh, Waudani in Ecuador in 1956, spoke at this funeral. Here's a man who knows and understands sovereign spears. Maybe not sovereign bullets. Second, second thing up there is, is be okay living with the tension. We're not going to resolve this. We try way too hard to figure this out. We, we try way too hard to try to resolve it and figure it and say it's this and it's that. And, and well, God did this and God's... It should be comforting to realize that God is so much bigger than me that there are things about him I will never understand. Do we really want to understand everything about God? Because then we'd be God. So live with attention. He is so huge that he knows every star by name. But he loves me so much that he cares how much hair I have. He causes tragedies and disasters, yet he's right there to walk with me and comfort me through those disasters. And they're never random or accidental. So what would it look like if we began to live in light of his sovereignty in all of life? What would that look like? Dawn asked me a very down-to-earth question this week. How should she handle my snoring in light of the sovereignty of God? <clears throat> Thought about that. I said, well, you know, when you can't sleep all night long, you should pray. Maybe God's trying to teach you patience. Um, we're still working on that one. C.S. Lewis once said, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. True, God will do the best for us. That's his sovereignty. But he went on, we are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. That is so me. I don't question his sovereignty. I don't question that all the hard things in life are for my good. I just don't want the pain. I don't want the suffering. Dawn doesn't want the snoring. She understands it's in God's sovereign decree somehow. 
What if you're not there? Maybe some of you are here this morning and you say, yeah, I don't see it that way. I don't, I don't, I don't agree. Or, or maybe, wow, I've never thought about it that way. I, I don't see it that way, but I want to. How do I get there? Here's, here's some suggestions. Soak in the Word of God. You would not believe, maybe you would, how much I cut for this sermon this morning. His sovereignty is all over the Bible. And as I've been preparing this, and as I've been reading the Word, I, oh, there's a good example, I'll put that one in. It's like, no, I have too many already. It's all over the place. Joshua asked God to stop the sun for 24 hours, and God stopped the sun. Do you realize all the implications in the stratosphere, what has to happen or whatever sphere is out there? For God to stop the sun, he didn't stop the sun, he stopped the earth rotating. I mean, all of the astronomical things that had to happen for God to do what Joshua asked. But he did it, he could do it. Soak in the word. His sovereignty is all over the place. If you're looking for it, you'll see. You know when you buy a green car, suddenly you see green cars all over the place? Look for his sovereignty. Seek to know God better and know him bigger. Get a bigger perspective in God. And if there's, if there's pride or if there's control in your life where I want to be in control of my life, I don't want God to be, I, I want confess that. And then focus on faith rather than logic in seeking to know God. Not blind faith. I'm not talking about just, okay, I'll just believe it. Study hard. Search out the answers. Work on this. But you'll never rationally, logically resolve this one. So we believe it by faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, our Heavenly Father, thank you that you are so huge and so gigantic that there are many aspects of you that we will never grasp, never comprehend, we'll wrestle with, they'll frustrate us, we'll disagree, because we can't understand and comprehend a holy, 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 majestic, sovereign God. So we trust you. We rest in you. Thank you that our, nothing in our lives is random or accidental or you control it all. What a comfort. Lord, apply this truth to our hearts today. Let us leave here lighter knowing that it's not up to me. God's got it. Oh, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.